Welcome to the online sermons at King Street Church. Feel free to listen or watch online at kingstreetchurch.com. We're located at 162 East King Street in the heart of Chambersburg, PA, and would love to see you in person at one of our five Sunday services at 8.15, 9.45, or 11 a.m. We certainly hope you enjoy this morning's message. how personal the Holy Spirit is, that He is always accessible to us. I think it's great because it brings everyone together in unity. appreciate our tech team going out and taking some pictures last week of the many classes that uh, are working through this Forgotten God series. Uh, we have about 25 Sunday school classes here at King Street, and over 20 of them, I think 21, are engaged uh, together in this series. Uh, and so I want to encourage you to get involved, even today, you know, even the third hour, get involved today in a Sunday school class. I can tell you that just in these last three weeks, we have had over 50 people join or be a part of a Sunday school class for the, really for the first time or kind of come back. So we've seen a bump in Sunday school. That's 50 people being willing to go into, uh, into that environment and dig in and study this. I, I would love it if you would actually celebrate that with me to see 50 people taking part in this, I, I think that's awesome. And so uh, I just want to encourage you to, to do that because the fact is, this series uh, that we're in, in the Holy Spirit, it really needs us, I think. It calls for us to go deeper, to ask some questions. I'm going to be asking some questions today that the, uh, that the material calls us to ask, but we're making our way through this year of transformation asking throughout the year, what does it mean to be a fully committed, if you will, follower, a disciple of Jesus, transformed by God, made spiritually alive by Christ, relationally connected in him, and missionally engaged for him. And so, as I said, our series is out of uh, this material called Forgotten God, Rediscovering the Person of the Holy Spirit. And our title today is Start with why. Start with why. Why do you want him? This actually, actually, this title, Start with Why, is a well-known business book uh, by Simon Sinek, who said, regardless of what we do in our lives, our why, our driving purpose, cause, or belief never changes. What we do is simply the tangible way we find to breathe life into that cause. I really like that. I, I resonate with that. It's the why that really drives uh, our what's. He says, if the leader of the organization cannot, cannot articulate why the organization exists, then how can they expect the employees to know why to come to work? To, uh, to inspire starts with the clarity of why. And 
I just mentioned a moment ago our, our core values, spiritually alive, relationally connected, missionally engaged. Hey, King Street, our why is to engage and bless our community with the gospel. That's why we are exist. That's why, that's why we gather, and it's why I believe God has put us on this earth to engage and bless, to love people in the name of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, with the gospel. So why? That is the question of motive. It's the question of goal. What's your driving purpose? What's driving you? I love a quote by a French man by the name of Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, who said this about 75 years ago, and this quote's really resonated with me. He says, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to collect wood and don't assign them tasks and work. If you want to build a ship, don't just collect a bunch of people and tell them to go get some wood and pound it together with these nails in this way. He says, no. If you want to build a ship, rather teach people to long for the endless immensity of the sea. You want to build a ship, teach people to long for the endless immensity of the sea. What is he saying? He's saying, what's your why? If you've got the right why, your what is going to follow. Why? You know, that's a question that uh, everyone's been asking uh, for this last week, right? Why? What's the motive? We've looked at everything. Still no clear motive for the Las Vegas attack. Police investigators more than 100 FBI investigators have combed through hundreds of leads and hours of video to determine why. Unlike the investigations that follow many mass shootings, a study of the shooter's political affiliations, behaviors, and finances has not uncovered any clear why. We're struggling because we need to know, we long to know why. Not that it'll change anything, but guess at least it'll help our minds resolve that question. But what about our pursuit of the Holy Spirit? What about our pursuit of the Holy Spirit? Why do we want him? That's the question this week. Uh, Francis Chan says this, it's clear that uh, you want to see the Spirit in your life. You wouldn't have gotten this far in the study if you didn't. That's a good thing. The first step in reversing our neglect of the Holy Spirit, which is kind of the premise of his book, is desire, desiring to see him work in and through us. But at this point, there's an important question that has to be asked. Why do you want him? We all need to question our motives. We can't simply move on and assume that our hearts are in the right place. What's at stake is too important. Why does it matter so much? Motivation makes all the difference in the world, he says. If we pursue the Spirit out of love for God and people, then the power of God will be displayed in us. I'll say that again. If we pursue the Holy Spirit out of love for God and love for other people, then the power of God is displayed in and through us. But if we try to use the Spirit for our own purposes, we're only demonstrating our pride. You know, I want you to hear from Francis Chan himself on this as he leads us uh, into this topic today. This week is going to be a little different. Um, in chapter 4, I talk about 
why it is we want the Holy Spirit. In, in other words, I think every believer would say, I'd love to see the Holy Spirit working in my life. But the question is, is why? Uh, is it just because you want this supernatural gift or this power? Or is it because of, like the scripture says, you're concerned about the common good, that spiritual gifts are given to us for the common good. And in other words, you're, you're looking to build up the church. You're looking to build up the other believers. And, and as we talk about that, it's very easy to just get this general idea of this big group of people in a, in a room and how you want to help them in general and how you want the Holy Spirit to come into you so you can help them walk closer to the Lord. But, but I would say before you even think about the church at large, we really need to focus on the people that are in front of us. I mean, even right now, right now, the people in the room with you, can you honestly say that you love them and that you want the Holy Spirit to work through you right now so that you can build them up? Did you pray before you came today? Did you pray and say, God, I'm about to come into a group of people that I care about and I want your Holy Spirit to speak through me, to be to manifest himself somehow so that I can be honest and bless these people and, and love on these people and help them grow closer to you? Is that even your desire? Those are good questions, aren't they? In fact, in, uh, in the material this week, in the curriculum, Francis Chan puts out some really probing questions. I was, I was sitting beside someone at a meal the other night, and uh, we were talking about this series, and he's, this is a gentleman that's been working through the, the curriculum, the workbook. He said, Jody, I want to tell you that, uh, that the questions that uh, this material is asking me this week, he said, it is, it is really, uh, really making a difference in my life. It's challenging me in a, in a deeper way. A deeper way said, I, here's a few questions that, uh, that the material that this week is asking us. Take a minute or two to write down a few possible motivations for desiring the Holy Spirit, both good and bad. What are, what are some motivations? Practically, he says, he asks, what does it look like to be led by the Spirit rather than trying to lead the Spirit for your own purposes. Then he asks this, being completely honest, do you really want to follow the Spirit regardless of where he may lead you? Why or why not? This question is actually the one that he pointed out most specifically. So let's turn together in, into Acts chapter 8. Let's look at a, an example out of Scripture where we see the Holy Spirit being poured out, but it brings to question the question of motives, why. And uh, this particular event uh, happens as the church is being driven out of Jerusalem because of persecution. The Roman Empire under Nero is now buckling down on, um, well, that's actually it was a little before Nero. So the Roman Empire at this point in the, in the uh, 30s and 40s was really trying to crack down on the work of God. And on that day, we see in eight chap chapter 8, verse 1, persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen, one of the seven original deacons, and mourned, but Saul 
uh, actually in conjunction with the Romans, began destroying the church, going house to house, dragging off men and women and putting them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Love that. We run into this guy named Philip. He went down to a city in Samaria. A few things about this. Uh, we meet a couple of Philips in the early church. One was an apostle, one of the, the 12 apostles, disciples, who became apostles. This isn't that Philip. This is one of the seven men who we read about in Acts chapter 6 who were selected by the church, inspired by the Spirit, to be deacons or servers or servants. And uh, Philip was one of those men along with Stephen. This Philip is known as Philip the Evangelist because wherever Philip went, he preached the message. And uh, whenever we see people going out of Jerusalem, it's always down. So Samaria is due north of Jerusalem and Judea. But it's described as going down because that's how the Bible describes anyone who leaves Jerusalem. So he went down to a city in Samaria. We think it was probably the city Shechem and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he was performing, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many. Many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in, in, she in Shechem. Now for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in that city. And he amazed all the people, not only in that city, but throughout the nation of Samaria. I would compare this man, Simon, uh, he's known as Simon Magus, Simon the Magician, Simon the Sorcerer. I would compare him in a lot of ways to a modern-day David Copperfield. Uh, I realize even that for the younger generation may not know who he is, but he was this very well-known magician had these TV shows 15 or 20 years ago. That was kind of who Simon Magus was. He was a well-known magician, a sorcerer, and uh, amazed everyone. He boasted that he was someone great. That's one thing for you to tell people that you think they're pretty cool. He thought that of himself. Reminds me a little of Muhammad Ali, right? I am the greatest of all time. That's Simon Magus. He believed that he was great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention. In fact, exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. He had been quite a show for quite a while. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom, of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women, and sure enough, Simon himself believed. I'm gonna tell you right now, I read a lot of commentaries on that word, and there's some real mixed opinions as we read through the rest of the story of what does that mean that he believed. He was even baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, but here you go, we're gonna start getting some clues. Astonished by the great signs and miracles he that he saw. Was he a fan or was he a follower? And I have a feeling, well, in fact, I know from the rest of the story, he was far more of a fan than a follower. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard 
that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John up to, or, yeah, up, down from Jerusalem, but north, up to Samaria. You see, Samaria was the one place on the face of the earth where the Jews in Jerusalem didn't want the gospel to go, at least most of them, because these were their hated enemies. Samaria, the Jews looked down on them for all sorts of reasons. We don't have time to get into it, but uh, the, the gospel is now going into Samaria. Philip is proclaiming the gospel. There's people getting baptized. But in order to really confirm it, that, that this was happening, they sent Peter and, and John up to, uh, to check this out. Verse 15, when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. A few things going on there. One is it kind of reminds me a little of John the Baptist, right? That his baptism was a preparation for the coming of Christ. In this case, a preparation for the coming of the Spirit. But uh, this is not normative. Throughout the rest of the New Testament, we see when people believe in Christ, they're given the gift of the Spirit as the deposit, as Scripture says, guaranteeing what is to come. But in these few occasions in Acts, as the gospel is going into new territory, we see the, uh, the apostles coming in, laying on hands, and the Holy Spirit coming upon them. When Simon, verse 18, saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he showed his cards. He offered them money. He said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands can receive the Holy Spirit. He says, you know what? Oh, this is awesome. I need to add this to my act. This is really cool. I can't even do this stuff. I, think, I thought about the, uh, the magicians back when Moses was performing the signs in front of Pharaoh all the way back in Exodus and how the first two uh, signs of turning water into blood and, and the flies that came, or rather it was frogs that came on the land, somehow, some way, Satan gave them the power to do those tricks. But when you get to the third of the great signs uh, that Moses performed, the coming of gnats, they couldn't quite do that one. That's kind of what's going on here. We have Simon the magician saying, yeah, I can't do that one. Wow, give me some of that. Can I buy this? To which in verse 20, Peter says, may your money perish with you. May your money perish with you. I think about the translation. I mean, this is strong language. Uh, a, a translation of scripture written back in the 50s by a man named J.B. Phillips, wrote, to hell with your money. Strong language. But that's exactly what Peter is saying. May your money perish with you. You thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Simon, you need to repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in hope that he might forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I can see that you're full of bitterness and captive to sin. Simon said, well, pray for me. I appreciate at least that response. 
After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John went back up to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many of the Samaritan villages. You know what I see going on here in this story? It is a question of control. It's a question of control. You know, I think about the, the, the most important 18 inches perhaps in the entire universe. And it's the distance between our head and our heart. How many people are gonna miss heaven by 18 inches? Missing heaven by 18 inches. You know, even Simon, he believed. He believed that Jesus was the son of God, I'm sure. He believed the message. He, he was even baptized. But what we see as the story plays out is that that message didn't travel down to his heart where he got, gave God complete control of his heart. In a way, he was missing heaven by 18 inches. And I believe the way that we truly find God giving up the control of our heart to the Lord is, is by completely renouncing or giving up the control of our lives. It's the old Carrie Underwood song, Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hands. I want to give you control of my life, control of my heart. And a great prayer that we can pray to get us in that direction is the simple prayer, God, would you make me humble? Wake up every day, God, would you make me humble? I, I think of a gentleman, I think I've told you this story, but a gentleman in the church I pastored before coming here to uh, Chambersburg, uh, a gentleman in the church that Probably I would describe him as uh, he was retired and frustrated quite often. He just seemed kind of stressed out a lot of the time. Had a bit of a, a harsh demeanor. And yet I saw something happen in this gentleman's life over time. I just noticed something changed in him. He softened. He, he smiled a lot more. He, uh, you know, he started reaching out and one day made an appointment to come in and meet with me. And I, okay. So he came in and, and we had a meeting and he, he wanted to meet with me because he wanted me to know all of the people that he'd been meeting with and having coffee with. He, he showed me the church directory and he said, uh, Jody, I've been looking through, I wake up and I, I say, Lord, show me who you want me to meet with. And he said, I've been going and having coffee and it's been amazing the things that God's been doing in these conversations. And finally I said, time out. Where is Dick and what have you done with him? You know? I said, Dick, what happened? Really? There's such a difference in you. And he said, Jody, he said, uh, months ago. He said, I don't know. I just decided there was a prayer I was going to pray. He said, I started waking up every morning and I just said, Lord, humble me. Lord, use me today. Show me what you want me to do today. And he said, I'm so excited by everything that God is doing in my life. It's a question of control. I think about this old illustration out of the four spiritual laws. How many of you remember that little pamphlet, that little booklet? This was at the end of that booklet. This is when I was a kid. Back in the day, but it, it so gets at this question. You get to the end of the, of the booklet of these four spiritual laws, and it just simply shows this circle with a, a chair with an S on the chair standing for self. 
Self is on the throne. Interests are directed by self, resulting in frustration. Christ is on the outside of, of the life. And I guess in a way, not to... I, I really think this was kind of where Dick was at. And yet, one day he woke up and started saying, God, I want to put you on the throne of my life. I want to yield myself to you. Interests become directed by Christ, resulting in harmony with God's plan. It's a simple little illustration, but I think it's a very powerful one. God, I want the Holy Spirit to come in and direct me. I don't want to add the Holy Spirit to what I want to do so that he will give me power to accomplish what I want to see happen. That's exactly what Francis Chan is calling us out on this. Say, no, why do you want the Holy Spirit? Do you want just to add his power to what you want to do? Or are you truly willing to give him control of your life? To allow him to lead? Are you willing to go where the Holy Spirit takes you? And as Francis Chan said in the video, that very well may be just the person right in front of you. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to go to Zimbabwe. Although maybe that is where God wants you to go. Are you willing to go where the Holy Spirit takes you? Are you willing to say what the Spirit inspires you to say? I love what Jesus said to his disciples when he sent them out. Just go and open your mouth. Put yourself in a position where I can speak through you. Are you willing to say what the Spirit inspires you to say? Are you willing to love who the Holy Spirit compels you to love? Francis Chan concludes this chapter this way. If we're going to be open for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, we must first let go of the things that keep us from close fellowship with him. That is repentance. It's putting God on the throne of our hearts. The Spirit works through each of us so that we can build up the people around us in love. Having the Holy Spirit is not about you, being everything you want to be. It's about God working through you to help the people around you grow. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me. Lord God, we ask you right now to take control of our hearts. God, shine your light into our motives and into our hearts. And Lord, in our pride, we confess that so often we want control. We want it to be about what we want to do. But even right now, Holy Spirit of God, we give control of our hearts to you. We invite you, Lord, today to take the wheel, to take control, to be on the throne of our hearts. Lord, to follow that metaphor. God, we want so naturally to be in the driver's seat with the wheel in our hands. And right now, God, we're willing to move over into the passenger seat. And not only to take the wheel, but to take the driver's seat of our lives. Lord, to understand that you know the plans you have for us, that your way is best, that you've put us on this earth, Lord, to be servants of yours, to, to go where you want us to go, to be used by you. God, right now, we just give you control. Control of our heart, control of our lives, control of our future, control, Lord God, of everything. 
We surrender it to you, Jesus. Holy Spirit of God, fill our hearts in a fresh way today. We give control of our lives to you in Jesus' We hope you enjoyed this morning's message. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to contact us using our online form on our website at kingstreetchurch.com or by calling us here at 717-264-4651 during our regular business hours. Be sure to stop by and see us in person at one of our five Sunday morning services, 8.15 a.m., 2 at 9.45 a.m., as well as 2 at 11 a.m. We look forward to seeing you there.